praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Evan on GRN Alive Monday edition. Evangelium was a, a show I did back in the day in the Houston area. Now we're GRN Alive across the whole Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Joe McLean here hanging out with you. And how was your weekend? Was it good? Did you relax? Did you uh, get some rest? Or did you get a lot done? Or what was your weekend like? I had a had a good weekend. Friday, uh, blessed to spend some time at a parish and uh, to uh, you know give some evangelization talks, some praising, uh, and just give God praise. And it was such a blessed time to be with some Catholics down there in Friendswood, Texas. So grateful for that. Then, of course, over the weekend, we got a lot done. Praise God uh, at the house, just getting stuff accomplished. Like, for instance, uh, the check engine light was on, taking care of that. I can't tell you how rewarding the feeling is to... Uh, to make sure the check engine light goes off on your own, right? Have you ever felt that way? You're just like, okay, true, it was just an O2 sensor and it took 15 minutes, but still, it felt great to just see the check engine light go away. So anyway, I hope your weekend was good. Today we're going to be talking about socialism, communism, why the church rejects these uh, these notions of civil order. Why is that? Did you know that? Paragraph 2425 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, the church has rejected the totalitarian and atheistic ideologies associated in modern times with communism or socialism. Did you know that? The church rejects socialism and communism. So why then is there seemingly a rise of uh, popularity in socialism? Why, why is that? Why do we see... Uh, these groups like Antifa, for instance, that are avowed Marxists and socialists. Why do we see the spread of communism across the planet? It seems very peculiar to me, especially among uh, Catholics and Christians, to see support for these groups. And so today to join us to have this conversation is going to be Michael Hitchborn from the Lepanto Institute. We, uh, we've had him on before, and I'm excited to have him back. We'll catch up on his work at Lepanto and uh, we'll talk about the church's teaching on socialism and communism. Plus, we have all the headlines, but let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Tim Mott. Deaths in the United States from COVID-19 rose for a third week in a row to more than 6,300 people in the seven days ended July 26th, though the number of new cases fell by 2%, dropping for the first time after rising for five weeks, according to Reuters. Fifteen states have reported weekly increases in deaths for at least two consecutive weeks, and in Texas, more than 1,000 people died in the last seven days, which makes up 20% of the state's more than 5,000 total deaths. Dr. Deborah L. Burks, the Trump administration's coronavirus coordinator, said on Sunday that the nation was in a new phase of the coronavirus epidemic that was much more sprawling across the country, including rural areas, than were last spring's outbreaks in major cities. She recommended that people living in communities where cases are surging consider wearing a mask at home if they live with someone who is especially vulnerable because of age or underlying medical conditions. An unidentified man threw a firebomb into a chapel of Managua's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception on Friday in Nicaragua, severely damaging the chapel and a devotional image of Christ more than three centuries old. 
Cardinal Leopoldo Brenes of Managua said, This was a planned act, very calmly planned, and so I want to say it clearly, it is a terrorist act, an act of intimidating the Church in her mission of evangelization, end quote. Pope Francis condemned the attack after his Angelus address yesterday. After protesters attached a rainbow flag to a historic statue of Christ in Warsaw, the capital of Poland, Cardinal Kazimierz Nitsch deplored the action in a statement published on the Polish Bishops' Conference website and urged the protesters to respect religious sensibilities. A Catholic charity that has prepared to open a home for underage victims of human trafficking has reached a resolution with the California authorities after it was allegedly pressured to affirm LGBT sexuality, inject sex hormones into any beneficiaries who identify as transgender, and to agree to drive minors to abortion clinics. Grace Williams, founder and executive director of Children of the Immaculate Heart, told CNA, We were able to meet the state regulations in a way that did not compromise our conscience as a Catholic agency. And finally, the first astronaut trip to orbit by a private company parachuted to a safe conclusion yesterday. It was the first water landing by NASA astronauts since 1975. Riding in a capsule built and operated by SpaceX, the rocket company founded by Elon Musk, two NASA astronauts, Robert Benkin and Douglas Hurley, splashed down near Pensacola, Florida on Sunday afternoon. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, August 3rd. On this day in 1936, Blessed Francesco Bandres Sanchez was uh, arrested. He was accosted by Marxist socialists in uh, Spain. He was thrown into a prison cell and there tortured, beat mercilessly until he died and succumbed to his wounds. What was his crime? What did he do that deserved such a death? Well, he was a priest, of course. He was a Catholic priest who was running a Catholic school. And that was crime enough for the Marxist uh, Workers' Party in the Spanish Revolution. There were 11 martyrs who died on this day uh, in the Spanish Revolution. And we are, re- we are remembering their feast days today. Blessed Francesco Bandres Sanchez was one. Another one was Blessed Ricardo Gil Barcelon. And uh, at his death, when they, uh, they martyred him, he held up a crucifix. And his last breath was, uh, Viva Cristo Rey. Long live Christ the King. And so I encourage you to, to look up these incredible martyrs who gave their life, like Blessed Antonio Isidor Aru uh, Pero, who held uh, uh, Father Ricardo uh, in his arms in his dying breath, and then shortly after was shot himself, dying a martyr. You know, the Spanish martyrs, uh, like the English martyrs and the Vietnamese martyrs, we see these these long lists, when you go through the, the calendar of saints, you'll see these long lists of names. They group them together, and it's a, it's a tragedy to see so many people. But the church has recognized the heroic nature of these, uh, these men and women who gave everything for the faith. To their dying breath, they remained faithful, which reminds me, there's a story in the headline news about the uh, archbishop in Nigeria who is lamenting the very common mass graves that are now part of everyday life in Nigeria. Back, uh, I think it was July 22nd, uh, the United Nations saw a picture of five men uh, blindfolded and shot to death because they were they committed the crime of being Christians uh, you know in Nigeria it's it's a very common thing so remember the martyrs today remember those who give everything for the sake of Christ all the way up to their dying breath it is important for us to live our life in such a way that we not only uh, believe it that we share it as well to our neighbors because Christ has sent us 
to communicate the good, the true, and the beautiful to a world that seems ever more desperate to hear the good news. With that, I welcome Teresa Kamara, HoustonCoalition.com. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. Praise Jesus. Uh, how was your weekend? It was fabulous, actually. Fabulous. Yes, it was you fabulous. Um, well, I, I got a chance to, um, you know, speak with people outside of church and um after we had received um information from inside the church from the priest um saying that there was a special indulgence on August the 2nd hey so now. people mark your calendars August the 2nd um where there is this plenary indulgence that that uh, St. Francis had asked for he had gone to the pope and said I would like for everyone who visits my little church outside of Assisi to be able to receive these special graces of all their temporary temporal punishment to be eliminated and the pope said for how long and he said i'm not asking you for years i'm asking you for souls <laughs> and um and so the and so it was granted and actually that had that that plenary indulgence under the conditions um of going to confession I believe it's two weeks before and two weeks after and uh, receiving communion on that day with the intention of getting the indulgence and praying for the creed and the Our Father um, and praying for the intentions of the Holy Father. Um, they, those are um, the conditions for it. And we just, um, so I'm sorry if you missed it. I just learned about it on that day. Otherwise, we would have announced it in advance. But um, mark your calendar for August the 2nd because it's now been extended to all parishes. Um, so that's very exciting because we can, we, a lot of the indulgences are granted for like a certain amount of time but this is all temporal punishment wow. of course you also have to have perfect contrition and that's very <laughs> that's very challenging you know perfect like i contrition. mean how, how do we know that we even have perfect contrition but you have to be detached from committing sins even venial sin, sins even all sin yes right so, so something to strive total, for in our in our striving for statehood that's a, something a to a muscle to work will. yeah total <laughs> act of the will did you see that story uh of uh, aoc against uh, saint damien of yes Molokai? that was that was quite surprising to me because she's she's couching it as if it's like oh look at all these white supremacists but Dam- saint damien of Molokai sacrificed yeah. everything he uh, went to yeah. a leper colony he went yeah. to Hawaii. he went to a leper colony knowing that he would never be able to go back to civilization like he would sacrifice everything and he ministered there and yes he evangelized and he gave them he brought them Mm. the the gospel of salvation and um he was not exactly um welcomed from based on stories that i had read back in high school of course that's way back when but but my understanding is the statue itself was even donated by the native hawaiians yeah they They loved him him so much and so so this is if you're going to counter with like white supremacy i mean there's a certain Colonialism of, was, of her, colonialism. was her. Okay, well, the articles I was reading all said white. The you know, it's white sad because uh, Saint Damien actually spoke the language. Mm-hmm. You know, he he like you said, he gave his whole life. I flew over that leper colony back in 1993 in a little tiny Cessna plane. I, I was stationed mm-hmm. in uh, Oahu at the time, mm-hmm. and we were uh, taking a day trip over to Maui. And we flew over that little leper colony, and uh, I didn't even know who St. Damien was at the mm-hmm. time. And learning about this man's life, again, it's like it's like listening uh, to the story of St. Hinepera Sarah. You know, it's easy for us to use a little bit of revisionist history or to paint with a very wide brush. 
And uh, when we do that, we do an injustice to the life and the sacrifice of people like St. Damien. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, Bishop Barron came out with a video to defend St. Damien over the weekend. So uh, it was uh, It's kind of sad to see um, many people in our modern society not truly understand, not even just history, but the lives of these incredible saints that they just make these wild accusations against. St. Damien was an incredible man, and the Hawaiian people love him. The ones that know their history love this man. And that's the other thing, too. It's like the statue that gets erected in the Hall of Statues there in Congress. It's not arbitrary. It's right. it's not like, you know, they just... The people of Hawaii had a say in who they wanted to represent them there. And there's a reason why St. Damien's the one standing there. You know, it's... Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, he's an amazing man. I highly encourage everyone to look into the life of this incredible figure, St. Damien Molokai. And there's a reason why Benedict made him a saint. Mm-hmm. Because of his heroic witness. Well, and also because of the healings that were done. I mean, as far as... I don't, I don't know all the history of it, but, but as far as just that, that level of self gift to know you will never ever come back. You will never be allowed to come back. Yeah. There was no healing for it at that time. So right. all he could do was offer comfort. He succumbed, and to, he succumbed to the and, disease itself. Yes. There, and, and the movie about him, I think the movie is on Formed, by the way. You can check it out on Formed about St. Damien. I didn't even know there was a movie. So oh, there there's go. a couple of them actually. And, <laughs> Three uh, points. <laughs> I can't remember the actors who played the characters, but there's a scene in the movie where St. Damien is desperate to go to confession himself, mm-hmm. you know, because he's now in the leper colony. He can never leave. Yes. Uh, no priest would come and hear his confession. Mm-hmm. So he was writing to the bishop, begging the bishop to to help him. Please, Father, come help me. And so the bishop got on a boat and went to the colony, but they wouldn't let him off the boat. Mm-hmm. So there's the scene where St. Damien's in a like a little like a little dinghy like a little canoe where he almost. was a separate boat he was yeah. a separate boat from the bishop and he's shouting and he's shouting his the confession, confession. <laughs> I, actually whenever we had the whenever we had the um this rule here in the houston area about like oh well you need to be distant from the priest and like i was imagining saint damien like yes. we're gonna be shouting our confession and <laughs> just right. like that because I, I remember reading about that and hearing about how like I was, because I remember asking, I was like, "What if the sailor, other sailors, heard him?" And the, they the, said it they in French. Said, yeah. and, 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 well, and the thing is, I was told, and that no one said anything, because because the secret of confession mm-hmm. is under is very very um it's sacred yeah. and and that's something that gave me a great respect for but, the fact that we can we like like no one should be repeating anything that they have true, over here or whatever and the, there's a secrecy that they shouldn't be able to overhear anything so. but look at the heart of saint damien to say going to heaven means more to me mm-hmm. than people knowing my sins right yes like, absolutely could could we say that would we have the the, the the intention to say I have got to get to confession. Why? Because the Lord, uh, you know, instituted this sacrament in the upper room, John mm-hmm. chapter twenty one, and this is the mind and the heart of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for us to confess our sins to one another, as uh, the book of James tells us. Right to mm-hmm. the, to the priest, to the clergy the, uh, that come to us. So if this is the heart of Christ, are we? Do we? Would we have the same courage? to confess our sins in front of a, a group of people rather than die in our sins because we're ashamed to to admit what we are at fault for. I mean, in some ways, we're very blessed in these modern days to have priest, uh, this private confession, right? Because in the early church, confession was, was public, just mm-hmm. like St. Damien, you know, it was in front of everybody. You admitted your fault. Well, and there there is something to be said for the fact that whenever we, there are huge public faults, 
people need to come out and and address those public faults. And and actually, I'm really glad that we are talking about this too because um, I'm remembering Miss Dodd and her conversion to the Catholic Church from communism, which I'm wow. sure that um, Mr. Hitchborn's going to cover. Um, but she testified before Congress after being converted to the Catholic faith um, and leaving the Communist Party, and she was converted by Bishop Fulton Sheen. And just like the the whole, we need to never take for granted the power of the sacraments. Yeah. We need to never take for granted the fact that that is what is going to heal our country. That's what's going to because that's what's going to heal our world. And so we need to turn to Christ first because He's the answer, and no no political structure and no um, no specific person because. All people have faults. That's the reason why we have so much. Have you been talking to my wife again? <laughs> why are you giving me that look, Tracy? Uh, yeah. Do you notice There's that? She looked right at me. All people have faults. Every, especially everyone you. has. I didn't say especially. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, but but everyone everyone has their faults, and 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 we all fall short of the glory of God, except for Christ and His Mother. And like looking at His, like that's why we we draw close to them. But that doesn't mean that we become little statues. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we, I mean, we're supposed to go out into the world like Christ told us to go yeah. and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and exactly. the Holy Spirit. And that is the solution. That's St. Damien. That's St. Damien. You know, that these people believed, believed that when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, these people believed that. They believed our Lord when he said that. And they took him very seriously. And uh, would that we would as well. Uh, before we run out of time here, I just want to mention a couple things. we got some pro-life news to share with yes. you. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Michael Hitchborn here in just a little while. He is with the Lepanto Institute. We had him on before. We talked uh, about the uh, some of the uh, the funding issues and the support for evil immoralities uh, w- within Catholic organizations. We'll get a catch up on that before we dive into our topic today. We're going to be discussing socialism and communism. Why the church has rejected these two ideologies at the top of the hour. I read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, but I've also brought the the official Catholic teaching uh, on social doctrine as well, just in case we need to reference that. But I'm sure Michael uh, will have a lot to offer. I see that you've brought some resources. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, bo- it boggles the mind. I see people wearing Che Guevara shirts, and I'm like, do you have any idea who that person was? Well, and even even if someone were to say, well, well, I'm Catholic, and I understand that's the church teaching, but my friends aren't Catholic. Okay, well, first off, the Catholic Church is the truth. Okay, so there's there is an aspect of there is a reality, there is a truth, and we need to address that in our culture. And uh, then second off, and then second yeah. off, real quick, um, is the fact that common sense just tells us what American society is going to say. Oh yes, we're all going to go lockstep, which is what would be required in any of the, if you read any of the socialism yeah. type stuff. We all need to think on the same page. We all need to be on the same page. Every American wants to be creative. Every American wants to be unique. Every human right. being has well, a certain we'll element it, of that. Teresa. I know you're so, chopping at the bit. Yeah, well, so we need to there. be aware of that. Pause there. We'll get into that. We'll come back on that with our conversation with Michael Hitchborn on socialism, communism here in just a little bit. But uh, before we jump into our pro-life news, I want to share with you, there's a story. Uh, there was a hearing on uh, on human rights, I guess, uh, Friday, uh, July 30th. And uh, Representative Chris Smith from New Jersey had this. He said this very sentence, which I think was fascinating. Quote, President Xi Jinping, where is Bishop Su, and what have you done to him? Unquote. And the reason why is because this bishop is missing. He's been in uh, Chinese custody now, and he's presumed actually uh, to have died. He was a heroic man uh, of the faith, and it just illustrates 
uh, the continuing persecution of Christians in communist China, uh, as well as not just Christians, the, the Uyghurs and other minorities mm-hmm. are also being persecuted heavily under communist Chinese rule. And I think it plays into the topic today of why socialism and communism uh, is not good for humanity and why the church has rightly uh, rejected these ideologies. So again, we'll be discussing all of that in our conversation with Michael Hitchborn. I encourage you to check out the article on Catholic World Report. Uh, the title is called Congressional Hearing Highlights Case of Missing Chinese Catholic Bishop. Check that out. I think you'll find that very interesting. I want to also say we're praying for the healing of uh, Monsignor Charles Pope. Again, our guest just a couple weeks ago or a week ago or so, uh, he has been diagnosed with COVID-19, so we're keeping him in our prayers, as well as everybody who is uh, suffering through COVID-19 in one way or another. There's many, uh, you know, the it really affects the anybody 65, 75 or older. And there's been many religious orders that have been truly a hurt, a hit hard, mm-hmm. losing many members uh, to COVID, actually. So yeah. anybody in that category needs to be protected, for sure, in my opinion. And uh, there was an article out, uh, this one religious order lost 13 members. Mm-hmm. And I talked to yes, a, I talked to a priest on Friday. His order lost eight members. Oh, wow. Again, elderly, they're all in the elderly category, which is the most vulnerable, most affected uh, uh, category for COVID-19. So we're definitely keeping them in prayer. But there was some pro-life news. Yeah, real quick. So um, so 40 Days for Life um, just wrapped up their, um, their sign-in for starting a campaign. Um, I'm still waiting to hear what the actual final numbers are, but but Sean Carney, the CEO, has been saying this is going to be the largest one ever. Um, and this is really important for people to, to realize because because these are times where we take a peaceful, prayerful stand to against the violence of abortion. And so it's very important to know that we have a way of gathering where we are spread out, where we are peaceful, where we totally make a public presence of that prayer. And it is saving, ten, you know, they've, they've saved over 17,000 lives, just the unborn. And that, and then also their mothers from that horror of abortion. And one of the, um, stories since we don't have a whole ton of time. Um, I'd like to highlight is actually from Pro-Life News Weekly, um, where Catherine Hajo interviewed Christina Bennett from the Family Institute of Connecticut. Fabulous interview. She talks a lot about, um, Margaret Sanger and the Negro po- Project for sterilizations and just a variety of Her issues. Her words, not ours. Um, uh, yes. So she talks about the concern about Margaret Sanger's Negro Project and forced sterilizations. We do not want uh, that to happen. We do not want that legacy to be continued. And a lot of people, sometimes you'll hear, well, Mar- Margaret Sanger was a champion of birth control. Or how are women going to pace their children if they have like health conditions? Um, and the reality is that birth control can kill a child. Unfortunately, there are her- hormonal um, situations where it can actually end the life of a child. And so we need to be, as Catholics, looking into solutions. If you have an actual health condition you know we need to follow things like napro technology it is a cutting-edge technology that is used by catholics um to be able to pay space children um but it needs but that sexual act should happen inside of a marriage between a man and a woman and it should be with and and any spacing should be with the consent of both of the man and the woman and you can read more on that with humana vitae also, I think it's important uh, to pay attention to, with all of this radicalized movement, with pushing of homosexuality in society, we need to be, keep our eyes also on Planned Parenthood's new CEO, uh, um, 
Alexis McGill Johnson and just watch what she's saying, watch what she's doing because um, she's so radical and it took them a year to confirm her and just the fact that there's going to be this political season, she's been very, very involved with politics. You know, we're going to see if she even makes it through saying CEO past this election because, because there, it's just so, it took so long to confirm her and she's so radically, um, not in line with mainstream thought on social, you know, on building the family, on building, you know, and a lot of people are like, well, we can't just build the family based on some idea. It's like, no, we know, we know that I'll in a home, the gospel. We'll take, oh, that's the idea we'll take, that I'll choose. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we, we need to look at the fact that there are so many studies on man and woman. Yeah. As father and mother married in the home, giving that child a foundation, mm-hmm. a foundation and security. And we can't ignore that or abolish that somehow and expect to have better results. And so if if you're trying to create kind of this, well, they don't have the father in the home. The father's run away. How do we help with that? That's one thing. How do we help to like help realign that? How do we give them extra assistance? That's fine. But if you are just saying, no, we need to abolish the family, that's a whole nother string of problems, and we're going to have a much weaker society as a result. And that's also one of the attacks of uh, socialism, Marxism Mm -hmm. socialism. Mm -hmm. It is to to destroy the family structure. And, uh, you know, uh, Rerum Navarum talks about that. Yes, Uh, uh, that's an excellent resource. If you don't have a lot of time, it's very short. The church has talked a lot about uh, why there's problems with socialism and communism and destruction of the family structure, the, the sort of the nuclear family model, uh, is part of their agenda. And we're seeing that as being a real plague on communities. The African-American community has just been really devastated by the destruction, the breakdown of the family structure, uh, which is why our heart uh, breaks, our heart bleeds for that mm-hmm. community. And that's why we, we do support and stand by uh, people of color, but we do not support or stand by organizations that would destroy uh, sort of the fabric of society through natural law. Whether they're Catholic or not is not even the issue. It's natural law that's at stake, and I think uh, we'll be discussing that with Michael Hitchborn here in a minute uh, from the Lepanto Institute. We'll catch up on his work on CCHD and uh, the CRS issues, uh, but we're going to be talking about socialism, communism, why it's bad for uh, the world, and why the church has rejected that. Uh, did you see those pro-life uh, protesters in D.C. get arrested yes. for writing chalk? On, yes. they, they wrote in chalk on the street on the on the, the sidewalk, preborn black preborn Black Lives Matter, and they came and they arrested two uh, two I think it was at least two uh, pr- uh, peaceful protesters. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Another reason that I highly recommend that at this time that you partner with someone like Forty Days for Life because there are lawyers that are tied to various pro life groups to be able to defend your rights, and and then there are connections that like we have already structured through the pro life movement with the police, with knowing who to contact like how to address it immediately so that way if the abortion groups are lying about you um, or are, are not we cannot expect the police to know every nuance of the law that's not fair that's not fair to anyone and so being able to address um, looking at parade permits looking at sound permits looking at permits for like well they had a we, permit there to be are, there there are but structures the, the in hypocrisy play. is the, hypocrisy. the mayor allowed this big giant mural on the street to be painted that will not be washed away in the rain mm-hmm. and the chalk 
the first sign of rain will just be gone and no you know there's yeah. no permanent defacing of the property there and so uh it just seems a little hypocritical to it's allow hypocritical. the giant uh black lives matter mural on the street and not this tiny little chalk thing i mean it, nobody got arrested in the other one and someone's getting arrested here what gives why is there why is there a double standard there yeah, and those babies lives matter unfortunately there always has been a, a double standard for for against you know, there's there's a I'm trying to remember what the quote is, but you know, we as Christians, we always need to keep in mind that we will be persecuted. We don't. I don't expect to get the fair end of the stick, if you will. <laughs> like, I really don't. I don't expect it. I expect yeah. to stand right. strong for Christ, and I expect to um, help that Catholics will help to structure the law to reflect Christ's will as much as possible. Mm. And like I said, we can't rely on. We can't rely on government agencies. But I, and, and tying into that, also I wanted to, to bring up the fact, um, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but there is a mayor in, in L.A., who, um, Mayor Eric Garcetti, who, um, has basically threatened that if the churches, um, are past 25% capacity, um, that they will cut off their electricity. And I saw another article that, that implies that he will also cut off water. Um, wow. and so, uh, Cardinal Cordelion has actually come out and said, asking people, please fast. You know, please, um, uh, on Fridays, please give up, um, at least one meal, if not two, if, if you can, if you don't have some sort of like major health issue. Um, so that way we can, and, and, and he's asking for people to wear the masks in compliance. So that way we, they will be able to open the churches and have the sacraments. Because really, I mean, what is it going to take for us to be able to get to Christ? And I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, you know, just, praying a lot about it and and mm. doing what your bishop says to do and just you know we we do what we can so we're going to be going to a break and we come back we're going to be speaking with michael hitchborn from the lepanto institute we're going to be talking about socialism communism marxism why has the church rejected these ideologies why are they bad uh we'll be discussing all of that plus much more with uh, michael hitchborn from lepanto and this me remind you if you've not done so already please consider joining the guadalupe radio network email list or Sign up for our text blast list. I know you, it's okay for you to let us harass you by text. You can do that at grnonline.com. Were you worried about what I would think about harassing? Don't. Please. I'm all right with it. grnonline.com. Just go to the website. You can uh, find the way to connect to us, not just through email or text message, but also through our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at grnonline.com. We'll be right back.
Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm Joe McClain, your host. I host the Monday version. Dave Palmer and his team host the Friday version. It's always good to be on with you all across the Guadalupe Radio Network, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And joining us uh, by uh, by Zoom chat right now is Michael Hitchborn, rejoining the show from the Lepanto Institute. Uh, good morning, Michael. Yeah, praise Jesus. Uh, when was that? Was it at least two, three months ago, right? Not by now? The last time you were on, we were talking about CRS, and a lot of the trouble CRS has been getting into working alongside of organizations that clearly go against our church teaching and support grave uh, moral uh, evils. And so has there been any update in that on that report? Wow. There was also, I think it was Uju Ichioko uh, was uh, spreading, as far as she could, reports that the, a lot of the um, uh, vaccines that were being pushed out to in there in, I think it was Cameroon, was one of the countries, uh, they were specifically tar- targeting women of uh, a certain age that could be giving birth, and they were sterilizing these women through this program. So a lot of very troubling reports are coming out. Uh, of these organizations working in these countries. So I'm glad you're continuing to raise awareness for that. Uh, you also had a report, and I, I actually referenced this report, of, I don't know, a month or so ago, uh, of organizations that have received grants through uh, the Capital Campaign for Human Development that also support socialism, Marxism, and and other things that we're going to be diving into that conversation here in a minute, why the church has rejected socialism. But maybe you can give us the cliff notes of that report. So there were two reports that we put out. Uh, the first one was uh, back in June, and the headline that we had was U.S. Bishops Agency Funds Groups Calling for the Killing of Cops, Rebellion, and Rioting. And, uh, of course, this came after the uh, George Floyd revolt that has been uh, sweeping the country and the burning of buildings and all that nonsense. And um, what we... What we did, we documented the social media pages of several of these organizations uh, that were receiving just ten, tens of thousands and over the, over the years, hundreds of thousands of dollars from mm. the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, which is run out of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB. I'll give you the most egregious example. It was the first one that we posted in this particular report 
The New Orleans Workers Center for Racial Justice, which has received $150,000 over the last three years from the CCHD, posted on their own uh, Twitter page or, or on their own Twitter account uh, a protest that they participated in. Now, let me be clear about something. This is a video that they uploaded themselves. So this isn't like they were retweeting somebody else's video. This isn't, um, you know, somebody else was participating in this event and then put it on their Twitter account. Somebody whose phone was linked to their Twitter account uploaded this video. Mm. And what it shows is a march. They're all marching in the same direction. They're participating in this event. And they're chanting, death to the racist pigs. Wow. And and what, I mean, this is a re- reference to racist cops yeah and they're calling for their deaths that's tragic. So this is this is an organization getting catholic funding yeah. and of course you know this same group they put up a, a they retweeted somebody else's post uh that was a flyer that says to rebel is justified uh the statement of the post is revolution is our only option and it says fight against police terror all murdered by police. So they were talking about these individuals murdered by police. And then, uh, of course, they're calling for the defunding of police departments and, and that kind of stuff. Another group that we profiled, the Workers' Center of Central New York, actually said, "These riot- this is a quote. This is their, their own words from their own Twitter account. These riots and lootings are taking back what the masses of working black and brown communities are owed. Excuse me? <laughs> uh, an organization getting Catholic funding from the bishops mm. is saying that the looting and the riots are justified. Uh, it says riots and protests are necessary tools, and we fully support. Uh, and then they, they uh, also said in there, an injury to one is an injury to all, indicating that if anybody's yeah. hurt in any of these riots or arrested or anything like that, they're going to protest that and they're going to burn stuff down. They're going to start looting because of that stuff. So, you know, just to tie this in uh, further into our conversation about socialism and Marxism that uh, that I invited you on to to help bring clarity to us, uh, that is one of the central planks of Marxism and his Communist Manifesto was to support revolutions all over the world in order to destroy the current social order. Uh, that is definitely part of their game plan is to foment revolution. Today I read, uh, or I spoke very briefly about the martyrs of the Spanish Civil War. There was 11 of them on this whose feast day is today. There were many, many more. There were thousands actually, but uh, you know, we're, we see that whether it's the Spanish Revolution or, or whether it was in the French Revolution even, or even you go down into Mexico in the 1920s and the 1930s under Plutarco Callas and the Callas Laws, the, uh, just you know, murdering priests down there and the lay faithful. Wherever you find this uh, sort of socialistic revolution, you find death, you find the destruction of the human family, you find chaos, you find uh, lies and manipulations in media and elsewhere. And we're seeing that right today in communist China. Uh, Xi Jinping has imprisoned the Uyghurs, uh, and he, not only does he imprison them, but he or- harvests their organs, too. It's been widely reported. 
um, you know, just recently, the last couple of weeks, the uh, uh, the ambassador to China in uh, in England was being questioned live on television why they were they were doing this, and he just sort of avoided the question. It was very rather embarrassing to watch. So uh, we're seeing the spread of communist socialist ideologies all over the world. Um, so why does the church then? Let's just take it back to the basics, uh, Michael Hitchborn. Why does the church reject? And it uh, does say that paragraph. 2425, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, says the Church has rejected the totalitarian and atheistic ideologies associated in modern times with communism and socialism. Michael, what could be so wrong with uh, socialism? I mean, you've seen seen those cute t-shirts of Che Guevara. I mean, that looks fine to me. Totally innocent. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting when you think about what, you know, we, we, we're asking the question, why does the church reject socialism and communism? It, and we have to remember that the very first condemnation of, of socialism and communism took place one year after the publication of the Communist Manifesto. Wow. Um, it, it was uh, 19, or 1849, when, it, December of 1849, when the first encyclical by Pope Leo XIII, or not Leo XIII, it was... Uh, uh, I don't. Leo the Thirteenth was Ram Navarum. Ram Navarum, yeah. So uh, this was Nostis et Vobiscum, um, when the first condemnation of of uh, communism came out, uh, and and the quote here, I'll give you a quote from it. You are you are aware indeed that the goal of this most iniquitous plot is to drive people to overthrow the entire order of human affairs and to draw them over to the wicked theories of this socialism and communism by confusing them with perverted teachings. Now, what's interesting about this quote, and I want to draw your attention to uh, something that um, Saul Alinsky said in a Playboy interview in... in, uh, I don't remember when this was, but um, he was he was talking about in this interview with Playboy magazine uh, how he had actually worked with the communists in the 1930s. Mm. Now, just a little bit of background: Saul Alinsky is the guy that created so uh, community organizing groups. He's he's considered kind of the father of community organizing in the United States, and he started it back in the 30s. Uh, he was working with um, the Catholic Church in something called the Back of the Yards. Foundation or the back of the yards community organizing neighborhoods. Wow, um, that was in the 1930s. In the 1940s, he started something called the Industrial Areas Foundation. This is in Chicago. After he founded that, he was working very closely with Bishop Scheel, uh, who is an auxiliary bishop in Chicago. He got to know Monsignor Jack Egan, uh, who was a very close friend of his, a collaborator who introduced him to a bunch of different. Uh, Catholic priests in the area and several other bishops, and he got to be working with uh, Cardinal Bernardin mm. when he was an auxiliary bishop in Chicago. And it was through Jack Egan and Cardinal Bernardin that they devised a plan to start funding uh, uh, Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups, the, the Industrial Areas Foundation. Uh, this was done initially just through the Archdiocese of Chicago, and then later Bernardin uh, pro, uh, promoted it as a national collection to the rest of the bishops. And they said, well, why don't we go ahead and give it a shot? So they took up a national collection uh, for the CCHD. It was a huge collection. They took, It was the largest collection that they had ever taken to date. Really? And wow. so they turned it into this annual money-making. I mean, it's, it's a big scheme. But the funding 
goes to Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups. So here's wow. here's why I gave that background. Here's a quote from Saul Alinsky in this Playboy magazine. He said, "I knew plenty of communists in those days, and I worked with a number of uh, worked with them on a number of projects. Back in the 30s, the communists did a hell of a lot of good. They were in the vanguard of the labor movement, and they played an important role." in aiding blacks and okies and southern sharecroppers. Hmm. Anyone who tells you he was active in progressive causes in those days and never worked with the Reds is a GD liar. Their platform stood for all the right things. And unlike many liberals, they were willing to put their bodies on the line. Without the communists, for example, I doubt the CIO, meaning the AFL-CIO, would have won all the battles that it did. I was also sympathetic to Russia in those days, not because I admired Stalin or the Soviet system, but because it seemed to be the only country willing to stand up to Hitler. I was in charge of a big part of fundraising for the International Brigade, and and in that capacity, I worked in close alliance with the Communist Party. I think that the communists of the 30s deserve a lot of credit for the struggles they led or participated in. Today, the party is just a shadow of the past. In the Depression, it was a positive force for change. A lot of its leaders and organizers were jerks, of course, but objectively, the party in those days was on the right side and did considerable good. That was Saul Alinsky. That was Saul Alinsky. And it was a 1972 interview if people want to look it up. Good, thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, we are talking with Michael Hitchborn from the Lepanto Institute, and we're going to be talking about socialism and communism, why the church has rejected these ideologies, why they are bad. You know, let's, uh, um, let's go back one step, though. Let's give some basic information about socialism and communism itself. You know, uh, Pope Leo XIII in his encyclical Rerum Novarum, uh, he actually says, quote, The socialists, in endeavoring to transfer the possessions of individuals to the community, strike at the interest of every wage earner, for the, and for they deprive him of the liberty of disposing of his wages, and thus of all hope and possibility of increasing his stock, and of bettering his condition in life. It, this, this encyclical is very powerful, and there's so many quotes I could sit here and read to it, but the point I want to make is this. Karl Marx, who wrote the Communist Manifesto, he is the one to whom we can credit by saying, religion is the opiate of the masses. Mm-hmm. And in his Communist Manifesto, you know, he makes it very clear. He was a Jew. He converted uh, into evangelicalism and eventually became an atheist. And he, his manifesto is set into motion what I believe the French Revolution uh, was already positing uh, before he was even born. And that is the, the attack on God himself and to destroy the fabric of society built upon the, uh, the natural law. Uh, and we saw that attack against the family. We see that attack against uh, the church itself. Oh, we're seeing it still today, even in greater numbers. The firebombing in Nicaragua was just a good example of that uh, over the weekend. Uh, and here's the point. We're seeing the, the, the tentacles of, of socialism and communism. But one of the things you mentioned a minute ago when you quoted Saul Alinsky talking about his, his uh, admiration for communism while still wanting to, uh, to get after Hitler, what's confusing, I think, to a lot of modern uh, people uh, is socialism and communism are two heads of the same dragon. 
Uh, and it's, oh, yeah. uh, but it seems strange to uh, we, we. One could think that uh, so the National Socialist Party, i.e., the Nazis in Germany, <laughs> headed up by Hitler himself, uh, they're on the same spectrum as communism. Maybe you can give us some uh, some clarity between socialism and communism from that perspective. Like, why is communism different than socialism, or are they really just one more extreme than the other? You know, it's interesting. A lot of people tend to put. Um the Nazi party on the right. Right, exactly. Communism on the left. Well, it's, think of, you have to think of it in terms of, of a relative position, right? Because if you're looking at just communism and Nazism, sure, communism's on the left and Nazism on, is on the right. But you have, if you pull back just a little bit, you'll see that both of them are on the left. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the center and then you've got, uh, individualism and, um, you know, personal enterprise on the right-hand side. So all of those things are on the right to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, these two things, the Nazi Party, the Communist Party, they were opposed because they had different perspectives on how to achieve the same ends. Yeah, They, they really didn't have much difference when it came to the philosophy of what they were trying to achieve. Could now, you, it's interesting. Could you say that communism is more extreme than socialism? Uh, I think that communism is the natural outcome of socialism. Mm. Uh, I, I think that it's not that there one is more extreme. It's just that one is the the uh, the end result. Um, because what happens is uh, socialism is kind of a soft approach to trying to achieve the communist goals. Both of them believe that property should be in the hands of the people. Uh, it's just a di- difference of definition as to how we determine what the people means Hmm. socialism says the people is the government which um then establishes who the people are now we have to keep in mind the soviet union was not a true communism it was also a hard dictatorial socialism because the power still remained in the state uh hard communism is more like a, a, a commune, like you would see with the hippie movement in the 1960s and 70s, where they would establish these communes where nobody was in charge. The problem with that is that with no one in charge, with true anarchy, uh, it, it all devolves and everybody winds up either fending for themselves or you have somebody who rises into a dictatorial position and says, we have to have some established order, otherwise nothing's going to get done. So... It, it, it's a it's a cyclical motion, but it's mm-hmm. it's almost like the churning of a wave that continues to drag you under. You can't really get your head above water, uh, no matter which part of the cycle you're in. One quick question I had about this. This is Teresa from Houston Coalition. Um, I had noticed that a lot of people, whenever they actually look at Marxism, they ignore the atheism. A lot of people I know ignore the atheism. Um, they will ignore the fact that um, that they're actually having to wait on government rations, if you will. Um, if they actually look at the structure, they look. They ignore the fact that there's class warfare to achieve this end. That and those are all from Marxism. But the reality is, they want to address unfettered capitalism. And I think they totally ignore the Ram Navarum and and Pope John Paul II's, um, I believe, uh, on the hundredth anniversary of Ram Navarum. Like they don't, they're not aware of those things. So for people that are 
concerned about unfettered capitalism. Um, they ignore the am- the concern about you know huge businesses that have huge platforms, yeah. whether it's Amazon or whether it's mm-hmm. um, whether it's Facebook or whether it's you know they they ignore these CEOs because they're I don't know out of convenience or whatever or they're just oblivious to it. What would you say to them? Because we have this attack within the church mm-hmm. that we're actually facing. We have five minutes, by the way. So what would you say to them? Because that really is one of the big questions that I'm hearing. Okay, so it's very simple. Unfettered capitalism and the push for socialism and communism are two sides of the same same materialist coin. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's all materialism, and it's dialectical materialism, which means you're going to have extreme swings from one to the other and back to the one. Uh, On the side of extreme capitalism you know you've got the vanderbilts you've got the rockefellers you've got uh you know uh, amazon and bezos and all them what those individuals are doing are creating a dictatorial form of socialism they're saying i'm going to have all the wealth and i will then determine who gets to benefit and who doesn't Mm. but then uh the the communists they look at it and they say this isn't fair why should so much wealth be in the hands of so few people and they rise up they have a big rebellion and they then take all that wealth and they collect it into a small little pile and say, okay, we need to distribute it. And somebody rises into a position and says, I'm going to be the one to figure it out. And so you wind up with the same exact position. It's just a difference of who has control of the funding. Mm. Uh, And uh, with Bezos and uh, Bill Gates and all them, you know, they've created a system whereby they have employees and they take care of their employees and they all have uh, a generation of wealth, but it all goes to one little source. In, cap- in communism, it's the same thing. It's just a matter of whether you're a wage slave to the state or a wage slave to the Same extreme point. capitalists. It's, mm-hmm. it's two sides of the same coin. Um, and it's dialectical, which means you're always going to have the tension between the two. So you're constantly flipping that coin to see which side it's going to land on. And now uh, to follow up on that. So I, I overheard I heard an interview that you did in another radio program um, with a um, and you addressed liberation theology as one of the concerns because. Um, there is this outreach of like, oh, well, we're going to take care of the poor as Catholics. Like, we need to reach out to them using our wealth that we have, you know, to help these social justice movements. But yet there's this further concern with liberation theology. And I know mm-hmm. we only have a couple of minutes, but I wanted you to touch on that if possible. Sure. Liberation theology, first and foremost, was created by the KGB. Uh, it was developed in Romania for the purpose of attacking uh, the wealth that was um, very prevalent down in South America. Um, and the liberation theology movement is basically a, an attempt to put a Christian face on socialism, to basically say that Jesus was a socialist revolutionary. Uh, he was the one who was liberating people from their poverty, uh, which is why he was always focused on the poor, so that we can then liberate them and, and help them to have the same level of, of success and achievement as anybody else in society. That's the problem with liberation theology. It takes Jesus and it makes him into a socialist revolutionary, which, by the way, is interesting considering uh, Origen mentioned that Barabbas's first name was <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Oh, wow. But no, it's even better than that. It's Bar 
Jesus. Bar Yeshua, meaning son. So, uh, you know, it's a, or, and, no, that's Barabbas, Barabbas, yeah, the son of the father. I was confusing things. So, at any rate, we're down to about one minute to go on the radio side of our programming. And we've been speaking with Michael Hitchborn from the Lepanto Institute. Now, we're going to stay on for the after show. So, the way to get on the after show is you got to be on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. You can find us in all three platforms. Just search for at GRN online. That's at GRN online. You'll find us and you can hang out with us for the next half hour and we continue our conversation uh we're talking about uh, socialism communism why the church has rejected it and let me just leave you with this quote here uh before we sign off the radio side of our program from rarum navarum pope leo the 13th i love that his encyclicals are some of the best in the patrimony of the church he says this quote socialists act against natural justice and threaten the very existence of the family in setting aside the parent and introducing the providence of the state he goes on to say, such interference is unjust and is quite certain to harass and disturb all classes of citizens and to subject them to odious and intolerable slavery. Uh, I recommend Rerum Navarum as, as well as the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the Lepanto Institute. Michael, what's the website for Lepanto? Uh, www.lepantoin.org. LepantoIN.org. Michael Hitchborn, you're going to hang out with us for the after show? Absolutely. All right, we'll see you there. The rest of you, God bless you. I want to thank Teresa Kamara from HoustonCoalition.com, uh, Tim Mott, uh, and I want to thank David Magianis and our brand new intern, uh, just back off the fresh beaches of Florida uh, to be doing our social media switching here today. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, listening on air, online, or on your mobile app. Download it today, iOS or Android. Go to your app store and search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Not only can you listen to the live show, but you can also catch the podcast right through the app. We'll see you next time. May God richly bless you. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go. Did you know that any Catholic man can join the Knights of Columbus who is 18 years or older? By joining the largest Catholic organization in the world, you can become a better husband, a better father, a better friend, and an overall better Catholic. All you have to do to join is go to knights.net and click join. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot net. This starts your journey as a knight and will give you complete access to all of the fraternal benefits of the Knights of Columbus. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. 
Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.